0: If you're able, please remain standing, take your copies of God's Word, and turn with me to John chapter 18. John 18, we're going to read verses 12 through 27 tonight, but we're going to take two weeks to look at this text, and tonight... We'll look at verses 12 through 14 and 19 through 24. And next we come back and look at the rest of the text. But we'll read tonight beginning at verse 12 through verse 27. Here now the word of God. It is infallible. It is inerrant. It is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus And bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father in law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest. Peter also was with them, standing and warning, warming himself. The high priest then questioned Jesus, about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he had said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself, so they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. It's been now three weeks since we've been in the Gospel of John, and three weeks ago we looked at verses 1 through 11. We saw the betrayal and arrest of our Lord. We saw in those verses how Jesus was in complete control over his passion how he demonstrated the power of God how he preserved the lives of his disciples and even how he displayed mercy to his enemies and so as we come back tonight to John's gospel we are again in the section dealing with the passion the death of our lord and tonight we see him going before earthly judges now every day in every country there are travesties of justice. Many of us, out of curiosity, we have followed trials in the news or on TV. We have all heard of decisions that have been handed down and we have said that was a, a travesty of justice. Every day we we hear and see murderers not receiving the death penalty. As the Bible lays down that punishment for those who murder others in cold blood. And that is a a travesty of justice. Every day we see career career criminals not serving their complete sentences and they are released only to commit the same crime or something worse. And that too is a travesty of of justice. We see violent criminals let off with a a slap on the wrist, only to commit more violent crime. And that as well is a a travesty of justice. However, none of those examples that we have before us tonight can compare to what we see in our text. Here is the just one of God. Here is the righteous one of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. And he finds no justice in the courts of men. Now we know why tonight. All of this had to be accomplished so that he would go to the cross and there die for the sins of his people. But we see injustice given towards the Lord tonight. And so there are three reasons why we, we see that there was no justice for the just one of God. And the first reason is this, the outcome had already been determined. Again in verses 12-14, through so the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Now just to remind us the events in which the so-called trials took place. The arrest of Jesus took place on the evening of the Jewish Passover, late in the night. There are three separate parts to the trial of Jesus. The first two we will consider this evening, the the third in a couple of weeks. But the, the first two we see tonight is the preliminary hearing before Annas. Now, this seems confusing because John had already mentioned that Caiaphas was high priest that year. Annas, the elder high priest, who was recognized as the true high priest by the Jews. Caiaphas was the one recognized by the Romans. And then we will hear of that trial before Caiaphas. It was a significant trial, uh, one that is described in more length in the other. Gospels, and then there'll be that third part that we'll look at in a few weeks, the Roman trial. Now, this would include Jesus appearing before Pilate and Herod, and it was there that Jesus was actually given over to be crucified. but we see that Jesus is arrested and bound, and there is some significance in John telling us that Jesus was bound. First, he was bound in view of the outcome of this so-called trial. And why did they bind the Lord? They bound him in their minds as a criminal worthy of death. second, just as the offerings were bound with cords as types of Christ. So now the substance, Christ himself, is, is bound. To be sacrificed. And then third. In a more spiritual manner. Christ who knew no sin was bound. To become the sin sacrifice. Before God. He was bound because of our. Being bound to sin. And he was bound. So that ultimately we will be set. We would be set free. From our bondage. Thomas Goodwin said this. It is a certain rule. That what should have been done to us. Something correspondent was done to Christ. And the virtue of His person was such, though it was done to His body, it brought us freedom from the light due to our souls. And by Him being thus bound and led, He Himself out afterward, when ascended, led captivity captive. And so here is the just one of God, arrested and bound, led to Annas, he was the father in law of Caiaphas, high priest. And, and verse 14, that is where we, we know the intentions of the courts. Caiaphas had already made a statement. That statement was found back in John chapter 11 and verse 50 when he says, Nor do you consider that it is expedient for us that one man should die for the people and not that the whole nation should perish. There was the context there. Well, they were worried that the Romans would come and take away their place, would come and, and truly take away their freedom, the little bit of freedom they had under the Roman authorities. And so they were more worried for their power and prestige and, than, than the Lord himself. You know, in, in our court system we, we try to get impartial juries. Sometimes we do, sometimes we don't. We try. And we do that so that each person can have a fair trial. That's not the case here. Of all the people who would expect impartiality from, you would think it would have been the high priest, the leader of the Jewish nation, but it was not so. And so we see the the world's darkness as it is faced with the light of truth, the light of Christ, that the world would do whatever it needed to do to get rid of the light. And so in a very real sense, the decision has been made. It is better for Jesus to die than for the nation of Israel to lose its standing. But then there's a second reason why we see no justice tonight for our Lord. And it is this, the, the lack of, of credible witnesses. We, we see a lack. We hear of a, a lack of credible witnesses. Yet what do we see? Christ Condemned. Now, what were the qualifications for a witness to be credible under the Jewish system of law? The role of the witness was more important than what we are accustomed to. As one commentator states, in our trials, a witness is called upon to testify merely to what he knows, and the total case is made up of the collected testimony of whatever number of witnesses is necessary to establish the defendant's guilt or innocence. In Hebrew law, the testimony of the witness had to be complete. That is, it had to pertain to the whole of the crime of which the defendant was accused. Now in Old Testament law, what do we find? That there had to be two or more witnesses to convict. Notice verses 19 through 21. The high priest in questioned Jesus, about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in the synagogues and the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. And so as we consider what a witness was under Jewish law, that They had to be the accusers. They were the ones who had to come and bring a charge against our Lord. There was no protecting the identity of someone under Hebrew law. They had to come and and be face to face with the one that they believed wronged them or or hurt them in in some way. And none of these qualifications here are met. Now we do not see here, but we see it elsewhere that... That there were many false witnesses who came against the Lord. But their testimonies did not agree. We hear of that in Mark 14 verses 57 through 59. Then some rose up and bore false witness against him. Saying we heard him say I will destroy this temple made with hands. And within three days I will build another made without hands. But not, not even did their testimony agree. And here we find a lack of witnesses. The charge has been made. Jesus is questioned by the high priest. And instead of preferring a charge against the Savior. And then summoning witnesses to prove it. Annas acted after the manner of the Inquisition. He asked questions to ensnare the one before him. And here is the religious head of Israel. Acting altogether against and without Law. No indictment has been drawn up. No evidence has been brought forward to support that indictment. All we see is a cowardly attempt to all the prisoner, browbeating the Lord, trying to find something to be used against him. Now, as he is questioned by the high priest, Jesus answers him. He says, I have spoken openly to the world. My teaching has always I've always taught in the synagogues and the the temple where all the Jews are. I have said nothing in secret. Do not ask me. Ask them. Ask those who have heard my teaching. Yeah, we see Jesus in complete control. He is not hiding. He never hid from the religious leaders or rulers. Yes, he might. He might separate himself for a time from Jerusalem because his hour had not yet come. But even in those times where he was not found in Jerusalem, what, what was he doing? He was freely teaching in public. Here we see the dignity of our Lord. He is not afraid. He turns and challenges the judge. He says, why or, why do you ask me? It was one of those questions of the Lord that never failed to pierce the heart. It was the Holy One, as He answers, who's now condemning the high priest. Now, how do we know that? Well, we know that because of the response. Not only is there a lack of credible witnesses, but then, third and finally, we see a lack of credible charges and we see the response Of what Jesus had said. This is how we know that Jesus was rebuking the high priest. Because did you see what happened to our Lord? Beginning in verse 22. When he had said these things. One of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand. Saying, is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, if what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Anacinus sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Here we see the enmity of the natural man against God. If the natural man could, he would strike God. Now God is a spirit and does not have a body like man. But we strike out against him in many different ways. And that is the darkness of, of the human heart. When the truth exposes the darkness of, of man's heart, then what happened? Man attacks the truth. We see that every day. If you try and, and tell someone the truth concerning anything spiritual, you'll see a lot of times that the messenger is attacked. Just a few weeks ago, there was a, a street preacher who, who was shot in the head. He was shot as he was preaching. Now thankfully he is recovering, Last I heard. That's what happens when the truth exposes the darkness of men and here we find our Lord as he replied and he he gave a a reply to the high priest that he is struck. Now this was the first of, of many blows which our Savior would receive from the hands of sinful men. We find here a fulfillment of Micah where we read, they will strike the judge of Israel with a rod on the cheek. And so Jesus here reveals to those who judged Him that there was no sin, no evil by which He could be convicted of. He challenges the one who struck Him. If what I said is wrong, bear witness. If I'm not right, correct me. If what I said is right, why do you strike me notice in his sufferings he's still acting as the Son of God he judges the one who had unrighteously condemned him because he had no sin. Jesus had no sin by which he could be condemned now again that should always amaze us, but it shouldn't surprise us he's God and man, never sinning against God and in thought, and word, or in deed. Always upholding the law of His Father. There was no charge that could be brought and laid at the feet of our Savior. But here we find the One who knew no sin becoming sin for us. Becoming that sin offering for His people. And we see the perfect Son of God bearing witness... To those who struck him. If I have done wrong, bear witness to the wrong. There was nothing that they could bear witness concerning sin from our Lord. And so all Annas could do at that time is bind him and send him to Caiaphas. And so what application can we make here this evening? Well, first, we see Jesus enduring this injustice so that we would not have to endure His justice. Now again, everything He suffered, we deserve. To be striked because of our sin. To be put on the cross because of our sin. That's what we Deserve, But we see here Jesus enduring all of this so that He might save us. And what did He save us from? Yes, He, he saved us from, from our sin. But more importantly, He saved us from the wrath of God. He saved us from the justice of the Father and His justice. You see, that day is coming when Jesus will come again In glory, and he will mete out justice to the wicked and the evil and the unbelieving, and it will never end. But for those of us who find our refuge in Christ, that justice, that wrath of God has been taken off of us because it was placed upon Jesus. And yes, it wasn't just at the cross, that's where Jesus suffered in full the wrath of God, but even here, he is suffering injustice. Again, no credible witness, no charges could be brought against our Lord. But yet, as we see and as we know, He was condemned. Now second, no witness could be brought to convict Jesus of any crime. But the same cannot be said of us this evening. No cred- credible charges could be brought against Jesus, to convict him of any crime, the same cannot be, said, cannot be said of us here this evening. I'm not speaking of man's law. I'm speaking of God's law. Every day we have broken the law of God. Every time we sin, we break God's law. Now, we see tonight the perfections of Jesus. No witness, no charge could be brought perfect in every way. No sin. They could bring no charge of iniquity or sin against our Lord. But God could bring and anyone could bring a charge of iniquity and sin against us every day. And we might say, well, no outward charge could be made. Well, it's not just the outward, is it? It's the inward. Sin isn't just what we outwardly do. It's what we inwardly do as well. And again, every day we sin against God. We sin against God in our thinking. We sin against God with our words. We sin against God in our deeds. And so we are guilty before God, but not Christ. As they could bring no charges. they could bring no witness. All they could do was, was to bring false witnesses, as we heard from Mark's gospel. And they couldn't even agree. But yet he is still condemned. But he is condemned for us. He was condemned to save us. And that is the third point. Jesus goes through all of this injustice and abuse so that sinful men can be reconciled to God. Think of that. Sinful men. Men who hate God. We were all born in this world hating God. We were all born in this world at enmity with God fighting against God. And Jesus came and He suffered all of this so that we who hate God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit could then be reconciled to that same God and brought into the family of God. Now we have a wonderful example of this in the New Testament. There was a man who shortly after all these things took place, he was persecuting the church. He was a Pharisee. He, he called himself a Pharisee of Pharisees. He studied, studied under Gamaliel. And, and he was a man who according to the law in his mind was blameless. And he was persecuting the church. And he was on the road to Damascus to do what? To persecute those who followed the way. And that man's name was Saul. And as he was on the road to Damascus. As he was singing to himself. I have decided to persecute the Christians. I have decided to kill the Christians. There came one who appeared to him. And he came in a blinding light. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And that was Jesus. And Saul saw his sin. And his heart was changed. And and he was changed. And and he, he went on and his name was changed to Paul. And he went and he was probably the bravest preacher who has ever lived. Going back into enemy territory. Going back into Israel and to the Jews. And preaching what? What he had once persecuted. Christ. Crucified. For sinners. You see that man was, was changed. And he understood the gospel. And he understood that Jesus suffered everything he suffered. So that he. A man who thought he was righteous in his own works. But he wasn't before God could be saved and delivered and reconciled. And he went and he would preach the gospel. And we know at the end of the book of Acts, where do we find him? In prison. As he had appealed to Caesar. We see tonight that for the just one of God, there was nothing but injustice. Again, no fair trial. No witnesses, no credible charges. But Jesus will be convicted and handed over to death. And what he received at the hands of men, we all receive, or we should receive. What he received from the hands of men should have been our lot, it should have been what we suffered. For our own sin. But he suffered on behalf of his people. And tonight God calls us to his son. He calls us to the just one of God. He calls us to the perfect one of God. He tells us as he calls to us to come and be reconciled through Jesus. Again there is only one way to be reconciled to God. And that is through Christ. We cannot be reconciled to God by what we do. We try. We think we can. We, we believe in our hearts that we can be reconciled to God if only our good works outweigh our bad. It doesn't work that way, does it? Saul came to understand that. As he would later say, if anyone could brag about his accomplishments, it was him. But what did he say? I count it all as refuse, as dumb. Compared to the glory of knowing Christ. And so do you know of that glory of knowing Christ here this evening? Do you know that you have been reconciled to God, your Creator, through Jesus? If not, then see what you deserve tonight. You deserve to be on trial. You deserve to be the one who is struck. Not the Holy One of God. But He suffered all these things to save you and me, to reconcile us before a holy and just God. And so, as God calls us tonight, may we come to Jesus, may we fall at His feet and say, Lord Jesus, save me, a sinner. And as we do that in faith, he will save, he will redeem so that we will not have to suffer the justice of the Holy One. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing and preaching of his word. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you tonight that you suffered all that you suffered in this world to save us. And what You suffered, we deserve. What You suffered on the cross, we deserve. What You suffered at the hands of sinful men, Lord, we deserve. We thank You that You have suffered it all so that we will not suffer God's wrath. And Father, if there are any here this evening that does not know of, of Your grace, mercy, and redemption as found in Jesus, Lord, change their heart and heart Take the scales off their eyes. Give them a new heart. May they see their sin. And may they see their need of Jesus. And bring them to Christ. And save them. Not for their glory, but for Your glory. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.